You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Peshera. Uh, and we are, uh, we are visiting our special guest today, Mr. John DeVore. Thanks for having us, John. Thanks for coming over. Yeah. I, had, I had plenty of seltzers for you, but Alex only wanted a glass of warm tap water. Yes. And I brought I, my own tap water, so yes, we're good. I, I do not like seltzer, I'll, I'll admit. Um, but your apartment is lovely. Oh, thank this you. This is uh, really well decorated. I, I blame my, uh, my girlfriend. Well, your girlfriend, your girlfriend. She, uh, she knows who I am, which is why she, for <laughs> Christmas, got me a dune sandworm. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, that's what that is. Yeah, because she knows me. She knows who I am, and she bought that lovely uh, uh, monster dildo. Yeah, it's very phallic. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's funny. <laughs> because I love the movie Dune. Yeah, I've been going. Uh, I've been looking at uh, Transformers on Amazon, and I see you have like a. Look real deal Japanese. Right. So now you, you both know you are in my inner sanctum and you know who you're dealing with. Yeah. You have a packaged, for the listeners, you have a packaged action figure that you have never opened, I'm assuming? No, I've never opened it, Alex. Is that, is that an Optimus Prime, but uh, a Japan, Japanese Optimus it, Prime? It is a, ja- a Japanese version of uh, Spitfire, I believe. The the uh, Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the jet plane transformer. You see right through me, don't you? Yes, Where's I the do. certificate of authenticity? That's what I want to know. What, what's, it's in mint condition. What number? What serial number is it? I want to. Th- but thank you both for sure. coming here. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, no, of course. So we're going to talk about. We've been we've been saving this one. This is a, this is one of the big daddies. We're going to do first blood today, uh, and it's interesting how how this episode came about is very interesting because mm-hmm. till this till this moment we've always had a guest on that either one of us knows yeah we actually met through twitter yeah uh and so i i was saying when i got here i don't i don't really know how to use twitter i don't either i basically just retweet uh like things K- kubrick and right. orson welles yep. things mm-hmm. and then i retweet articles <laughs> that i want to read later and you know somehow you know following john like m- movie stuff and found this article that you wrote about stallone and action movies and and dealing with pain and um, mm. so I, w- I read the article. I was like, "You wow. sent it to me." It was very, yeah. very good article. So I was like, "Oh, this is this is interesting. This is like this is exactly the kind of avenue I want to start to go down with the podcast." So I reached out to John. John said, "Yeah, we can do it." And so Hell here we yeah. are doing one of the great. I think w- uh, my favorite part of the story is you know. So I launched uh, a website about movies and masculinity, and I wrote this story, and it was a personal story about self surgery in action movies. And you DM'd me. Yeah. And it was the nicest DM from a total stranger, A, I've ever gotten. Wow. And B, B, you were like, want to do my podcast? And it was such a nice DM. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then afterwards, then I was like, fuck. And then afterwards, I went and I researched. And I listened to some episodes. I'm like, oh, they have a real podcast. Oh, oh yeah, But yeah. You, you were so... You were so gentlemanly and just like I liked the article and was, I just felt the thing and I was just I, – I couldn't believe it. it. I almost thought I was being set up to be murdered. But I, Oh, so you thought this was like a fake podcast I, from a I psycho. Had, well, there was a part of me that a was like psych. I could be killed. But you right, were just right. – he was so nice and I just – without even thinking, I was like, yeah, I'd love that. That sounds, that sounds delightful, a podcast about – about Rambo, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that's I mean, that's that's what we do here. We ask people very nicely to come <laughs> that's, out of the podcast. I mean, that's what Peter does, but uh, yeah, no, very and it, well. And I'm it's funny because at first, like, I, I, like podcasts have definitely reached a saturation point, and there's almost it's almost. I don't like, know about that. Well, it, it's getting crazy. Like I saw something just quickly. I saw this. I work in an office building uh, for my day job, and they have these like um, advertisements in the elevators. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking as I'm going up the elevator. And the article I'm looking at is Joseph Gordon-Levitt is launching a podcast to come in August. So basically, that's a news headline is that yeah, some yeah, guy, yeah. some right. famous guy, is going to have a podcast. Well, I think Isn't that insane? What I mean by that, it's like it's, it's, it, right now there's no way to separate the, 
the good from the sure. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like a lot of times when you ask people to do your podcast, you, they feel like you maybe they're doing you a favor oh, yeah. by being on the podcast. Well, they are. And so I like to let people know, like, hey, we actually have a good oh, podcast, we we also, and it's a fun you know, uh, thing. I, I, don't get me wrong. I've said no to plenty of podcasts. Yeah. Wow. Specifically, no one has asked me, hey, do you want to talk about Rambo? There you go. Yeah. And so that, to me, was the sweetness. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I the, the article was, uh, you know, it was personal. It was about action movies, action movie tropes. It's about mental uh, illness. It's about uh, my my attempts to try and not do self-surgery, my attempts to be open and talk and connect with people. So, you know, the fact that you asked, that you read that and you were like, that's someone I want to talk to specifically about action movies, I – I thought that was great. You well, know? yeah, because I mean that is I mean that is what we're doing here, and we it's not just about movies and movie trivia because I I do think that it's not trivia. Really. Well, we're ta- I mean we're talking about a specific time period. We're talking yes. about specific kind like sort of the the hero's journey keeps coming up in the podcast mm-hmm. and like story arcs and how I I personally hate most movies made today, and it's I think it's because I, I have this theory I haven't really like, fleshed it out, but like a lot of a lot of the movement in the culture right now is to sort of throw away Western culture and start over. And, right. and like the hero's journey, the, the male, the, you know, the, you're, the you're Rambo. You're a Campbell man. You're yeah. a Campbell man. So the Rambos are, are kind of being tossed aside and th- there's something very satisfying about these stories. And there's a reason why we, we keep going back to this kind of story format and this kind of hero. And I think John Wick is a return to exactly. form. Yes. And I think that when you had... When you had anti-heroes, they're anti-heroes in response to the hero. When everything is an anti-hero, mm-hmm. then having a traditional hero again is a response to the culture at large. David, I mean, oh, sorry, sorry no, no, no. In the in the uh, the article that brought us together as a family, um, you know, I mentioned Rambo, but also John Wick and and yeah. a bunch of other sort of these characters. So I, I do think there's something universal about these kinds of stories yeah uh and you know and 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 also how you know uh, these movies are may are enjoyed by men and women right um i think they really speak to men and i think they've spoken to men for decades and i think that there are interesting uh ways to talk about you know how to be a man or how not to be a man it's funny because you're talking about like the self-surgery because i my favorite. Can you because we you know we read the article, but can you elaborate so on that? I feel what, like that's a very so succinct term. Rambo but. three, which is not a great movie. It's funny because I and I said this before we got on Mike. I literally the only thing I remember from Rambo three mm-hmm. is there's a scene where he's he's been shot yeah. in the side and he basically takes gunpowder and cauterizes his own yeah. wound mm-hmm. by lighting it on fire and and burning himself and screaming that great Stallone <laughs> scream that I wish we should, we could get on here, but um, maybe I'll drop it in. And yeah, and you were talking about you know that what, what's attractive about that, and and to me like what it made him my favorite movie of the last twenty years is No Country for Old Men, and I think the best yeah that has a, that has self surgery. My favorite scene in that movie is when Javier Bardem does the like the field dressing on his on his wound on his leg, and it's that movie is so clinical about how it explains how Josh Brolin hides the money and then retrieves the money and how Javier Bardem finds who he's looking. It, like, it's really procedural in that way. And like, the character is developed just in, in what do they do? How does Josh Brolin do the things that he does? And how does Javier Bardem do the things that he does? And I think it, it does harken back to that kind of action hero trope. I love my favorite part of the second Rambo is when he's getting all the gear together. Like that's literally my right. my favorite, and in, in it's in, in the John Wicks and, and whatever and, and, it is. I love when they get the guns. I love see, when even 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 in John Wick, they they echo that trope, which is the gun as a Lego set scene. You yeah, know, like right. we, we were talking before, Cobra has a great the Stallone's movie. Cobra has a great putting the guns together, racking shotguns, and slapping magazines in. <laughs> Uh, and John Wick's also have the self surgery scenes, yeah, right, which and, are scenes that I think teach men uh, to suck up pain. There you go. That's not, what I was asking. To about. not feel it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're being chased by the enemy, it is fine, I suppose, to stitch yourself up and to grunt and not show pain. You might say it's necessary if you're actually right. in that scenario. But if you are a normal person, I you know another part of the story was that these movies teach men to not express their pain, yeah, be mm. it physical or emotional. 
And I, that might sound a little, uh, uh, you know, that's a little unmanly, a little fruity. Um, but I think that it is good for men to uh, express uh, loneliness, pain, anger, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, that, so I, I agree with you. And I think it's interesting because First Blood is not really – we the way we remember Rambo now. Yeah, right. if, if you look back at Rambo backwards, First Blood is very interesting because it's a much yes. different movie than what the Rambo character became. One hundred percent. And I rewatched it this past weekend. Oh, too. great! We love and that. That is that is the first thought. It is not like cartoon, you know, because even by Rambo two, yeah. he's become a full cartoon. And here's the thing: I have, I think a great or, or a pretty exact perspective on this because I had not seen any of the Rambo movies before last night. And I had only heard, obviously I, I've heard of Rambo. Right. Obviously. But from my mother and from like all the people in my life that have told me about Rambo, I was picturing a very cartoonish in the Vietnam war movie. Yeah. But Rambo first, Blood, first blood is about his, it's about, it's, it, it, it's so much more than that. It's, it's a great film because it's about like um, veterans being rejected when they come back and like yeah. just like that. That's still a problem that's still going on. And like, um, I don't know, man. It, it really surprised me. You how, liked it. Oh, I loved it. I genuinely liked it. It yeah. surprised me how not cartoonish it was, how human it actually was, yeah. even though there were some, you know, some moments that were like fantastical action star you know he beats everyone up in the prison cell yeah, and like somehow that. gets the knife back i've never right, understood yeah. how the kni- was the knife just sitting on the desk when he's running out of the police he's, station he's, he's wouldn't rambo. it have been in a safe he is rambo it was a pretty rinky dink town police department the only yeah. guy that seemed to have his shit together is the main guy what's his name uh, brian, brian Denny. yeah oh, well. but he's the i mean he's the one who makes the mess right so he's right, the reason. Right. but you liked it Genuinely, yes. Okay, that, and I don't even I, that, that that makes me happy. Here's I why I it. liked it. I liked it because of not and look, I like John Wick too, but not. I don't typically like action movies for pure action. You know what I mean? I don't. I'm not Peter. Peter loves action. You you like it in a deeper level, but you also just oh like yeah. Action. I enjoy, I love the ride too. Right. See, I I like the reason I liked this movie was because. I, I honestly felt it was one of Stallone's best performances. Yeah. Uh, just just his face. He's so dead. He, he's got that thousand yard stare down. I believed him as like a veteran coming back. And I don't personally know any veterans, but um, all the statistics that you hear about how high the suicide rate is and uh, um, what, how we treat these people. I mean, um, it's sad. People, uh, for instance, that come back from war, I think that they should be taken care of to the fullest extent. And I mean, most of them are homeless. It's crazy. Uh, so I, I think that it's, it, it, I, I watched it from that perspective that this is actually a believable problem, although it's a bit, you know, yeah. it's a movie. There, I, sure. There's a lot of interesting stuff with this. One, it, he, Stallone did this movie the same time he did Rocky three and he did rambo two the same time he did rocky four mm. and it's just interesting because it's so easy to kind of like oh stallone he's rambo and rocky they're very different oh my god they're yeah. in very in very interesting ways this character this, so this movie was originally a dustin hoffman vehicle mm. with michael with mike nichols directing it was very much going to be like a late graduate late seven, well like late <laughs> 70s like you know dark like post-vietnam like cynical thing and i, I forget why dustin hoffman left but like stallone came in and and yeah, it, the, the, I think the politics of the movie are very interesting. I, the, the politics of the movie w- w- is what jumped out at me the second time. Uh, it's a, it both all the Rambo movies are deeply political. Yeah. Um, um, First Blood is inc- it's a very political movie, yeah. and it's a very political movie uh, even now. You know, it's not yeah. just PTSD yes. and how we treat vets. Sure. But you know, like I, when I was watching it, like I my my folks right were not baby boomers; they were a little older. Right, they were probably born. My dad was born born in the depression. My mom was a, a, a war kid, mm. and so I was raised. And a lot of military in my family. I was raised to kind of hate hippies, right? And one reason I was raised to hate hippies is is they the way they treated the soldiers when they came back, right? Yeah. Um, in First Blood, we see a divide in the country that is still constant today. Liberals don't like the military, right? Like there's it, still a divide. There's yeah. still the, the the people who were really spitting at him were uh, 
uh, uh, Democrats were hippies, right? Yeah. Um, um, the thing that I find interesting about the film also is that it is the villains, though, are law enforcement. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know. Right. Um, and so, like, it's just this weird jumble. It's 1982, but it's still 70s. It's still gritty. There's, it's very, you know, there's still that kind of distrust of the state. Yeah, which yeah. is a weird thing. Well, it's funny because like I I think that I'll, I think the action genre, you know, the action genre starts with westerns. And right. then I mean Clint Eastwood obviously is a big figure of that. And then Clint Eastwood becomes Dirty Harry, and I think Dirty Harry is kind of the you know, create creates this 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 uh this form that would become the 80s action star. And dirt and you know, at the time people were like, "Oh, this is a fascistic character and but Dirty Harry Throws his badge in the water. Like Dirty Harry is the individual fighting against, against the system. The, right, yes. It's the system that's allowing all of the crime and the violence, and it's the bureaucracy that's kind of getting in the way of stuff. And in, in, in First Blood too, it's like you have you have the soldier who is an individual who's been let down by the system. Yeah. Right. So even though he represents not just the people, yeah. also the system he fought for. And then he's fighting against the police, which is authority and culture. Yes. So you would think that all oh, cops and soldiers they're on the same side. Right. But he is an outsider and this and the, you know Brian Dennehy kind of represents this like we want to keep this small little community nice and clean and right. safe and we don't want anybody who's going to be different or an outsider coming in here. But I, you know, I also saw when they when they when they're first hunting him when he just takes them all down. They're also the cops are also carrying M16s. Yeah. yeah. The iconic Vietnam era ah. rifle. And as I was watching it this past weekend too, I was like, "Oh, like militarization of the cops is yes. still something that is with us today. There, you know, and then there's the scenes with the weekend warriors. Yeah, where they the blow national. up the tunnel, and it's like, and but, it's they're, like but they're goofballs. Yeah, they're, it's the it's comical. It's played for laughs. You know, the guy scene. goes. The, the guy goes. The guy like, go back to the store. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right after he blows up a, a cabin with a rocket. Launcher. I think the I think the funniest. Can we, line, can we describe that a little bit though? You, yeah. So yeah. he's hiding. Yeah. So basically, he's in the, the the movie is is all a chase, and it's actually he doesn't kill anybody really. In the no, whole he movie. literally doesn't kill anybody in the movie. The book is different. There's an accident. Where a cop gets killed and it kind and of it gets blamed on him. Basically. Yeah, and the cop the, basically he's a drifter. He comes into town. They, they the cops kick him out of town. He he says screw you. I'm coming back. They try he just to arrest wants some him. food. He yep. he snaps into jail. Has basically has a PTSD flashback induced moment. flashback. And then it's just the whole movie is the cops chasing after him. He's in the Pacific Northwest. He's in the woods. So there's a he scene ends where he, up in the woods. He's hold, he's holed yeah. up basically. Was it an old like mine shaft? I yeah. don't know exactly yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah, and um great. Amazing shot where it's just oh, a yeah. uh, match light lighting the scene when he's in, inside the elevator and the uh, the shaft, and there's literally they call in the national guard who decide to blow up where he is. Like right. it's so over they the have, top. They have him cornered and yeah. they and they and they can't wait to throw a rocket launch. They actually disobey right. orders. Right. They did. They, their orders are not to shoot to take him alive. Right. Dennehy's like, and literally they shoot well, a it's, rocket. Uh, it's also there's a lot in this movie. There's a lot of how. And, and again, like I, I know cops, but I'm also the kind of person like I don't want to be pulled over. Like unless of course, I, I would rather I'm the kind I'm I'm conservative by temperament, and what I mean is is like every in everything I'm kind of like well, wait a minute what what are we doing here Let, Let's not change everything Let's not turn the world upside down But also let's be sure what we're doing here And I would rather um, I think our system is built on innocent until proven guilty, and I would rather bad guys get away than innocent people be harassed or arrested or I agree. And, and and so whether it's uh you know cops having checkpoints or you know cops you know harassing well, look, people for minor things that to me that is an infringement and I would absolutely. rather have less of that and have a little bit more criminality than than the opposite there is That's a, a great point. there is a conservative and a liberal argument against law enforcement power cops have an immense amount of power in our society and there is legitimate criticism from both yes. you yeah. know i i think that you know the idea that that conservatives uh, uh, are perceived as being pro military and pro cop is something that is you know is a dynamic that that's a very baby boober dynamic yeah um, but i don't think you know, there's plenty of criticism oh, about conservatives about anyone how that, much power. Anyone I'm, that thinks of themselves as a libertarian is usually jumbled right. in with conservatives, but they would they hate the military. It, I'm not hate the military, this, but they they don't want to fund. This movie shows very well how even police say with good intentions that things can escalate. Yes, and how and how you and yes. you can have you know people getting killed by the police and getting and getting shot and things and things that should be situations where. 
things are de-escalated instead are escalated to the point where now the cops have no choice but to you know pull out all the stops, and that's literally what happens in this yeah. movie. And and it's funny because you have the, the the character of Colonel Troutman who shows up, Richard Crenna, and who's Stallone. Great. Stallone, who's, Stallone, yeah, who's, Stallone wanted uh, Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas is Stallone's like hero, and they brought Kirk Douglas in, and Kirk Douglas wanted to rewrite all of his lines, and Stallone was like, "Oh man, it's like one of those things where you don't want to meet your hero." Like he's like literally yeah. like, "Oh man, we're gonna have to fire Kirk Douglas." So wow. they bring in Richard Crenna last minute, and. Basically, Richard Crenna comes in and says, "Listen, guys, I trained this guy. This guy is a killing machine. You're let fucked. him let him go, and then later let me pick him up peacefully because there's no peaceful solution. You're not going to kill this guy. And it's so it's so smart and it's so well done and it's so and now you have you now you have like the ultimate military brass right. versus like state police, local police. It's so now you have the dynamic of all these different authorities and all these different state Hierarchies. figures yes. versus again the the individual. Rambo yes. is always also, the man alone. And also too, and I you know, I don't know how uh, how old you are, but 27. Uh, okay, but so there's a part of Peter's me that, that that thinks that that <laughs> wow. You're right. Younger, Peter's, younger Peter's bald, overweight, and 40. I'm kidding. <laughs> there's, I'm there is a, there's a part of me that wants to put uh, Rambo First Blood on a double bill with the comedy uh, Stripes. Mm. Interesting, yeah, Because yeah. this was a very weird period where, you know, Reaganism hasn't completely become the cultural norm. Mm-hmm. We're still dealing with the end of the 70s where America had zero respect culturally for the military, for service people. They were baby killers at worst, right. incompetent at best. It's a very interesting sort of period where yeah. we had no respect. Wow. Yeah. Right. Which we're is the funny. Bo- we're the boomers. And that, that's what I meant by saying that we're still yeah. dealing with this bullshit. Uh, the boomers uh, uh, had no respect. They, they blamed the soldiers for Vietnam and not the, the politicians. Yeah. Of both parties, yes, yes of both Republican and Democrats, yes. yeah. that helped create a nightmare. It's uh, very just, short-sighted yeah. to blame the individual soldiers. And it, it, specifically in Vietnam, they, yeah. the, the Democrats and the Republicans to criticize Vietnam is to criticize JFK and LBJ and Nixon. So, yeah. like, you had this dynamic where no one politically would own that 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 disaster of a war. Uh, right. And so they took it out on the military, and you know who, and, and for sure, a small percentage of them went off the map and committed war crimes and atrocities, yeah. obviously, but not the, the majority. The, the fight right. was in what in what way were they going to fight the war? That was the fight in because you know because there was the you know Nixon ran against McGovern, who was the anti-war can- candidate, and McGovern got his his clock cleaned in the presidential election. 1968 right. was supposed to be the year of hippies well, I mean, and all that stuff. And meanwhile, you know, Nixon won 49 out of 50 states in the presidential election. You so, know, and Nixon would go on to, to, to say, I'm going to get out of the war, which he did. And before that, he made it, he escalated yeah, and yeah. spilled the war. And it was just a, it was, it was a shit show. Yeah. It, it, was a was a, it was a horror. It is a stain on the country, frankly. Absolutely. Yeah, um, no, no, no. Um, but I just found First Blood to be an interesting story from that very small period before you know ra- you know before yeah. Stallone is wrapping himself in the flag as the underdog and beating up the Russians. Well it's funny because I we we did Rocky Rocky Four is the first movie I ever saw in a theater and I remember vividly like my dad taking me to hell that's, of a movie. That's nineteen eighty five and again that's the same year he does Rambo two and I was thinking about it because we were like a lot of the movies we've done in eighty five was a great movie year. It's Back to the Future, it's Goonies, it's yeah. it's the Rocky and Rambo, it's it's and it's also the the year after Reagan got reelected. Yeah, and it was a great time. And America, the economy's doing well. Americans feel good about again. And yeah. but it's it's very interesting how much the world changed from like 1982 to 1985. Huge. You yeah. wouldn't have a Goonies. It, 1982 is is Blade Runner. But, but 1985 is Goonies and Weird Science. I, I think you know it's interesting right. that you brought up the, the the nickels and the set. You know, there was still something about First Blood that was trying to hold on. To the grit and realism. End of the 70s, yeah. You know, one thing I will also say aesthetically is I thought that the action in in uh, First Blood mm-hmm. was pretty good. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't date. It was, no. you know, like it was – and pretty badass. But like when he's disguised – when he rigs up that uh, – those, those wooden spikes – 
yeah. in the booby trap. Yeah. Like, I mean, that it was a, it was a pretty badass. Well, it, it's all, a, all of it is done with real effects, and it, and it translates, and we talk about this all the time. I love, like, again. Practical effects. It's, Practical effects, yeah. yeah. I love the how would you really survive yes. in this scenario. Yes. And he literally, like, he has a knife. He finds a tarp. He makes he makes a poncho with it. He, you know, he holds he up in a cave. He doesn't do anything superhuman yet, though. Everything he's doing, the collective no, is was, like a superhuman. You know, and that's what that, makes that Die Hard great. That's what makes yes. you know what I mean. That's well, what, know, it's funny you bring that up because that's another thought I had about it. Is that I think it is movie nerd canon that uh, uh, that Die Hard mm-hmm. uh, rescued the action genre was this much more grounded hero, not muscle bound yeah. cartoon. Right. Uh, uh, it, it surprised me that John Rambo in First Blood. Has John some John McClane? He's yeah. very human. Yes. He hurts credibly. He is not this invincible. Uh, and, no. I, and I and I hadn't really noticed that before because I hadn't seen this movie uh, in in forever. Yeah, uh, which of course it also has its own self surgery scene. Um, yeah, yep. Um, but which is amazing. <laughs> he stitches up his bicep with a fi- with a fi- a fish, fishing, yeah, right. fishing line and a hook. I, you know, like I, right. I, we could talk forever about the uh, me as a boy and my love of survival knives with empty handles that you can put your secrets in. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> or your secrets. Uh, I was I was a weird little boy. Yeah. I could put fishing line in there, and I could put secrets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was I was creepy. I, I really thought oh. I just was really quite surprised by how realistic it, it it was. He was not a cartoon in that movie. This movie, and I again, I haven't seen the the subsequent Rambo's, but in this movie, he is not the cartoonish meme that he has become. Right? Yeah, and 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 I really went into this sort of sighing, going, oh, "I have to watch this movie. It's going to be a guy with his shirt off, just." fucking shooting everybody and that's it that's all it's gonna be and it was so far from that yeah. it was so human it was so and uh, you know the, the his breakdown his ptsd breakdown yeah his monologue that he gives yeah uh right before troutman uh holds him about all of his buddies and how they've been lost and mm-hmm. i mean i was like is that stallone's best I loved it. I, Acting moment. I, I, I cried I, the first time I saw that. Like gen- I was le- genuinely moved. I mean, we by might that, be sucking his dick a little too much, but it, no. it, it is good acting. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and Stallone has had some bad acting. So it's so, it's, so funny. It, it's good. I have this. I have this thing where I saw a lot of the sequels growing up without having seen the original. So right. I, so I had. So I saw First Blood a million times. I, I didn't know why I mean, he's I, in jail. At, I, I saw First Blood so Part Two. I should part say. Two. Yeah. And so I didn't know why he was in, in jail at the beginning of the movie. Just cut. I, you know, I, I own Temple of Doom. I own Empire Strikes Back without having seen the original movies. So I was always like playing catch up. So to me, I experienced First Blood after having years of the the Rambo the rich, yeah. stereotype character. And mm. I was like, oh wow, this is so interesting yeah. to to see this in in reverse because it is it is good and it's funny because i, I believe it was based on a novel it was written by a, yep. a, a professor a college professor yep. a, a much more about a, you know ptsd or whatever and it, the character dies originally yep. and they actually they and it, it's funny it. this is so i i bought the uh the, the special edition blu-ray of which alex always makes fun of me because yeah. i love to collect Actual he still gets Netflix media. DVDs. I get sent DVDs to his sent house. to my house from Netflix. It's actually hardware, not, man. Hardware. It's not Netflix. They can't it's, take it from you. It's DVD.com. Is actually it's a Netflix company. So I found the the, the Blu-ray of um, of First Blood, and I had heard the story that that they had filmed the ending where Stallone gets killed at the yeah, end. Yep. And so there were special features on it. I was like, oh wow. So I watched the the ending where he dies, and it could have ended like that, but I'm glad. That it didn't, whatever. But then there was another scene that I hadn't even heard of. And this is like really trippy. There is a flashback scene when he's like alone in the woods to him being in some like Vietnam like whorehouse during the war. Whoa. And it's all like this like jinky, like like 70s porn music, and there's like bamboo and like, you know, pink curtains everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he you know, takes some girl and he, he like makes love to some girl. And I, I was like, who is this beautiful woman? And it's the the woman who played the Chinese girl with green eyes in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh wow! And my and my gorgeous. head yeah. exploded because <laughs> I was like, because I didn't know who she was. I had never seen yeah. her before or since. Yeah. And like literally, I it was like it was again. It was like finding a secret in your in your what night. A weird scene. 
Yeah, that's so, finding a secret in your knife handle. It's that's, so odd, but that's, I, that's my new podcast. <laughs> by the way. Just, what's your secret in your knife handle? But it, it was um, just it was exciting to me, and I should say real quick, my my favorite. I, I the, the movie has like some odd humor, and my the, I think the funniest part of the movie is he he uh, he jumps into an army truck. Yeah, and oh yeah, and the guy is like you know it's. He's freaking out because Rambo's got a knife to his neck. And he goes, don't look at me. Look at the road. This yeah. is how accidents happen. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. And then he throws him out of the car. And He's then he like, throws I have him out no anyway. problem with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was funny it's a problem. He's just a driver. Such a, it's, such a good, it's such a good movie. It really is. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I almost don't I, – not almost. I really don't want to see the next – the other Rambos. You know, I was about I, to say, you don't uh, – you, you should remember this. But, you know, they, they, they turned Rambo yeah. into an animated – Cartoon yes, half hour show. For I do kids. remember it. I Did do they really it. do that? Yeah. Which is weird because it's a movie. Um, it's always weird when like kids are like, "Oh, daddy, can I watch the movie this is based on?" And you have to be like, "No, you can't. This is not." It's weird when they take a, clearly adult material and turn it into a children's product. I yeah, find, I find that very it, odd. Yeah, it's, uh, making Rambo a children's like the character was, that was, I just watched. I mean, he's way too. At that time, there was car- there was there was cartoons of everything. There's a there's a great uh, Nef- Netflix documentary about He Man. Uh huh. So He Man was yeah, great. Uh, they made a toy. Yeah. And then in order to sell the toy, they made a comic book, and then they're like, we should turn this into a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And so it became this whole phenomenon, and it's literally. This Everything is about marketing and sales. Yeah. Yeah. And so they created this cartoon based on the toy just so that they could sell the toy. Right. And it became Smart. this whole like cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And then I was a lot I mean, we were talking about Transformers when I came in here. My three year old nephew, I said, What do you want for your birthday? And he said, Transformers. And he has these junky plastic transformers that they make now that don't even transform. They literally Come like on. they like bend in half and like it's a car and then you unbend it and it's a trans. I'm like that's the trans. I was like we had so much better transformers when I was a kid. Even I remember. So it. I went yeah. down this Amazon rabbit hole and yeah. you could buy three hundred dollar transformers from Japan. Right. That are like the original. The original. But they're even probably knockoffs too. But like still. There's the one that was like he turns into a radio and the cassette tape flies oh, out. Sick. Becomes a, sound ter- scream. It becomes a pterodactyl. No. S- sound wave, I think. Sound it is. wave. He was, I, he was featured in Bumblebee. Oh, the movie? The one they did the new, the new movie? Which yeah. is worth it because as they try to reboot – because all, all of the Transformers in Bumblebee look like the 80s. Oh, no kidding. So sound wave is in it as, yeah. as a tape recorder. But now we've gone from – uh, semi-realistic action political drama yeah. to, to <laughs> giant robots, oh, which actually, now that I think about it, it makes 100% sense. And it's well, but not the biggest jump we've but, ever but made. But that's, the, that's, that's, sure. that's sort of the course we've gone way of the, the 80s uh, entertainment. Yeah. Because that's really, I mean, that's what happened with The Terminator. That's what happened with Rambo. Right. That's what happened with Rocky. That's what happened with Die Hard. But yeah. I think I think First Blood is probably one of the more realistic and grounded, yes. both in terms of spectacle and and character. And the way it's shot. Right. Even, and yeah. the way that it's shot of the 80s action genre, which we yeah. had talked earlier, yeah. I think, is really created the action, really set oh. fire to that genre, really made that. Yeah. Without question. And, uh, it's, and, it's, a, and it's about uh, – it, like, it's about what happens to Stallone's body too like it's about the like the breakdown it, kind of turning it back to your essay it's like the same way john wick is about you know 50 something year old keanu reeves kind of hobbling well, I, his way through this stuff he's he's a killing machine but he's also like hobbling and he's also hurt and he's also you know, breaking down but in the context of that essay in these movies i i've been asking myself what is it because again these movies can be enjoyed and are enjoyed by people of all kinds of gender expressions um, but they are it is a male it is a male genre, and what is it that we love about them, and what do we get from them, and why are we watching them and what are the um, what are the lessons that the movies are that we want the movies to teach us you know like you know John Wick uh, people make a lot of fun about you know that he 's on a revenge spree because someone killed his dog right but I think that 's a I think it's a moral tenant that we can all agree yeah. on. You know, well, like, a, yeah, and it's more about his. Actually, it's actually more about his wife dying, and he doesn't care anymore. And, but there's, a, there's and a, he has troubles expressing yes his grief yes. over the death of his not only wife but the dog that his dead wife gave. You know, so, and he also and it's about um, 
it's also about like destiny. Like he wants out. He wants that quiet, regular life. And mm. and that regular life was represented by his dog and his wife, which yeah. was were taken from him. So he might as well go back. There's a line. To the and assassin. I, this I might be stretching this. There. So because we were talking Stretch about it. We, we were talking about Coppola, and I'd heard a story that John Gotti wanted to meet Francis Ford Coppola, and Coppola said no, and they asked him why, and he said. There's a saying that the devil can't come in unless you invite him into your home. And there's something to like God, that's the most Italian thing ever. Yeah, so John <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been thinking about it because I've been I've been watching through my lady, I've been watching a lot of these like newer horror movies that I that I'm not really that interested in. They're not my, right. my cup like, of tea, but like it's what? it's interesting. I just watched Hereditary, which came out oh, last yeah, year. I've heard, I've heard and the witch. That. But it's a lot of that like what what evil you you literally have to invite the evil yeah. into your into your home. And like John Wick, I think is he once once you are that killing machine and that you're in that world, you can try to live a regular life and you can try to escape it, but it's the, the evil's already been let in. So sooner or later, it's not an accident that you know that that comes back. It comes it comes back to him. Yeah. So I think that that's that story is about whether or not you can escape your fate and your in your destiny. But I, I don't think that's a stretch. No, I don't think yeah. it's a stretch in the least. But I you know, but again to tie this. To Rambo and 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 th- this essay, which I'm going to plug at the end because I don't think any. Oh, we'll definitely have it. some time to talk about um, that. Kind oh, of no, we'll, like, but I think yeah. I think as a, you know, we'll man, link it too. We'll but, link it. But man, I'm not worried about. It. Okay, but you know, but dudes, man, I think and I uh, and I, I feel okay. I feel we're in a safe space to, to to have this conversation. There is something that we we want to absorb pain. Yeah, and to yeah. suffer quietly. Yeah. There is something, and I, I'm not saying this is healthy. I'm not saying it's right, but in mo- many times in my life, either physically mm-hmm. or when something fucked up has happened, mm-hmm. I think it is a virtue to suck it up, yeah, to not cry or complain or to show the hurt. Right? I mean, that's a virtue. No, you're 100 so, so right. You- and there's almost a desire that's innate and inexpressible, almost. Where it draws you to want to hurt in a way, or to come from the perspective of being hurt and resi- and being resilient. So this is from why whatever resilient. that was. Your, yeah. your essay, your article hit me really hard because I I have a high tolerance for pain, and I've always seen that as a virtue. I Absolutely. Had, I had my appendix out, and two hours later, oh, I was me too. walking around. I had my my. You know, how old were I, you when you had it out? Um, I was fifteen. I think I was. 19 okay so 20 maybe 20 okay and so to get to get really personal and this has come up in the podcast i used to i used to be a degenerate gambler and okay. I had a really bad gambling problem and i quit seven years ago and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me Good. Is stopping congratulations gambling. but when i was gambling and i'd kind of like i'd kind of bottomed out i um i've had a freak accident i was working in a restaurant and i fell through a trap door Oh yeah, and I fell down about ten feet. And if you saw the way that I fell and the way I landed, I, there's thirty different ways I should have been killed. And I didn't break a bone. I didn't have a concussion. I not, literally landed on my butt with my feet straight in front of me, and was immediately conscious and said, "I'm okay, guys. I can. I'm wiggling my toes. I'm wiggling my fingers." They had to put me in the stretcher board and carry me to the took, took me to the emergency room, CAT scan, and all that stuff. Nothing. I had like a little bit of pain in my back. Literally where my back landed on the steel stair was the only pain that I had. Two days later, I felt indestructible. There's a movie, uh, there's a Jeff Bridges movie called Fearless mm. where he survives That's an airplane crash. Yeah, yeah. And it fucks his head up because he's like, why did I survive? Why did I live? Survivor's guilt. Yeah. So I had this sort of survivor's guilt and I went down to Atlantic City and oh, I started shit. winning bigger than I've ever won. And I, I was like, oh, this is, this is payback for all the, all the years of losing. And I, it really fucked me up uh, mentally having walked away from that accident and not right. having not anything happen. And, and reading your article, I, I always saw tolerance for pain as a, as a virtue. 100%. And I, as a kid, I'm, you know, I'm the oldest child. I'm the first, I'm sort of the, we were talking about this, I'm like the first uh, American born grandchild on both sides of my Got family. It. And I was always kind of treated like I was delicate. 
a joke that I say is like, if my dad would just have let me use the saw when I was a kid, I would have never become a comedian. It was always like, no, Peter, you're you're smart and you, you should be in the house. You know, you should they do, be, but they do getting, baby you. Yeah, there's a lot of emasculation, and 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 so I always wanted to prove how tough I was, right? Because I was being being they take treated care of you. Yeah. like I was. I felt like I was being infantilized, Bambino. and so for me, being a man is exactly that. Right. And I never kind of made the connection before because I think my crazy. Tolerance for pain and and this sort of feeling of survival and I could get my get out of any jam is what led me to digging myself into such a huge mess no I, I gambling I in the first place relate a hundred percent I am I am nine years sober oh congrats right? I Very am good. I was a I was thank you I, I I like the the Italian in you too you're like that I was a degenerate gambler I was a de- <laughs> I was a degenerate alcoholic yeah I am um uh. Uh, and you know, like uh, fucked up stuff, and getting fights, and also just suffering. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, not not just the, not even the physical stuff of which I get. Like you know, like I've I've fallen down fucking stairs and fucked up my back when I was drunk, and mm-hmm. like I'm okay, I'm right. fine, right. everything's good, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. good. But also just in terms of the emotional suffering, you know, breakups and and uh, getting laid off, mm. and never, you know, how you doing, John? I'm fine. Yeah. Right, I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. You know. Meanwhile, there's a knife sticking out of my neck. Yeah. I'm fine. I mean, I mean, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, and I just think it's interesting that we share that virtue. Uh, you know. Again, let me state: I don't think that is a healthy way to go through life. Yeah. I don't think that's how you become prosperous. I don't think that's how you become happy. Um, but I relate to it so fucking hard. Yeah. And I have to work at it because, like, my preference. You know, I was laid off from a job last year, and really, my preference was I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pull the curtains down, and, yeah. and eat pizza, and I rewatched, fuck it, I rewatched Deadwood, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I rewatched The Wire, like, I, but my, my impulse was just to show ret- nothing, to retreat. pull the yeah. curtains, 100%. order delivery. Yeah. But yeah. thankfully, yeah. there were people in my life, and like, I got some therapy going on. I was like, I, I I'm, you know. You got to reach out, but my yeah. my impulse is to fucking hide, not to show it. How yeah. are you doing? You found a job yet? No, everything's fine. Yeah, right. it's okay. Yeah, everything's fine. Mom. I think a lot of fine. People, you know, I, I think wanted, a lot of people listening uh, are gonna relate to. It's that. funny because it, it, I wanted it, it, to get caught. Universal. I wanted to men. get caught gambling, yeah. and I I wanted to like, and I I would romanticize like, you know, like artists who like you know. Cervantes wrote in jail, or people were like, like my hospitalized, brother. or and I, I, wanted, I, love that, I love that you're like I want. I, I want to be Cervantes. Yeah, I wanted to. Buy, yeah, I've also have delusions of grandeur. Also, <laughs> oh, big time, very common amongst gamblers, um, and and just me in general. Uh, well, I've also been fed a lot of that. Oh, Peter, he's so smart. He's got a lot of potential, yeah. but he never, but he never works his oh, potential. Uh, uh, he's so Peter, smart. Peter could write the first novel. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the, the one book that is largely acknowledged is the first novel. There's guys from the mo- back of the neighborhood like, "Hey, movie star, how you doing, movie star?" <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta only run. they knew how funny that truly was. Uh, they they're doing it to, to break balls. No, but, yeah, uh, I know, I know. Hey, hey, we're just breaking balls. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what they do. But I um, I, love, I lived in Queens for fourteen Queens for fourteen years. No, so I totally get that, and I and I because I wanted to get caught, get caught because people people are like, it's like oh, because it's it's like can't you see what I'm doing? It's like mm. is it really that? It's not sure. It's not clear. Look, there's a there's a there's a performative self destructive aspect to any kind of either addiction or obsessive behavior, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I wrote something back on the site, Humongous, that I'm running. I, I wrote about that Bagel Boss guy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Right? That's Which, great. number one, let me say, uh, the, you know, um, Mook, uh, deserves <laughs> all the mockery, yeah. right? Deserves it times 10. On the other hand, I've flown off the handle sure, before. Sure, and I And I look at him, and I there's a part of me that looked at him, and I was like, bro, you need some help. Real ad- oh, totally. He's a mess. Like, like, inside. and the only reason I say that is because I have, I got a temper. Yeah, and I have lost my temper, and it's bad, no, and, I, yeah. and I don't like it. Yeah, I have lost my temper. Yeah, uh, uh, and got you know at myself at other people, and I look at him, and I'm just like, first of all, again, 
I hope that haunts him the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I'm like, oh shit, man. Yeah. You what you're describing fucking... is you have empathy for for his for the way he. Yeah, but like I'm not saying I think compassion. I... I'm just saying you you understand the feeling of flying off the but handle. Like sometimes in, in like on the internet and stuff, we're like everyone should have some empathy. Like my empathy specifically because like I have been there. Right. Like well, I have lost my temper. Maybe not as bad as him, not maybe not as misogynistically as him, yeah. but like I've been there. I it's funny you. because now, I mean, now everything is performative because everything is on video, everything is shared on the internet. So, like, I wonder how that changes whether anyone reached out to him of, of his family. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. I, I don't know. Or I mean, just you know, where, where you know this wouldn't have happened. Millions of people would not have seen this a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. So, that but I thought changes. it was interesting that you were like, I, I would, I would flame out. I'm, I'm assuming, uh, and and exp- and hope. That someone that was close to you would be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and there, and there was it, there was one girl at work who was like, "You've got a problem." I'm like, "No, I don't. I'm winning." And then years later, I <laughs> years later I went up to her. I was like, "I was like, you know what? You're the only one who really saw." Yeah. No, um, I have the, I have those people in my life who were like, I have a lot of friends that were that I lost because I stopped drinking, but there were like a handful of people who were like, "You're not drinking normal." Yeah, right? <laughs> right. you know, like, and, and it's funny because it it's I I lost all that anger. And in, in some in some ways now I wonder if I'm too much of a pushover now because I I don't want to get angry. Whereas, I don't think so. But I I do let a lot of things slide that I wonder what the line is. You know what okay. I mean? Like there's, you there's, can wonder what the line is, but I would always err on the side of. For me, anger is a loss of control. I was just going to say control. And you've, if you've you've lost a tactical various tactical advantages, if you're angry, I think erring on the side of Questioning where the line is is always going to put you at a yeah. better advantage. It's funny because at the, when the time you when I was saying? I was when I was gambling, yes. I was living at my grandmother's house, and my my uncle was living there. And he and I started out by getting along, and then he kind of he was one of those people like he turns on you and you're you're dead to him. And he was the angriest person I've ever met in my life, and he got angrier at me in certain instances that I'd ever seen him get angry. I actually I did I did the moth. And I did like a moth grand slam, and I told a story about him because he ended up passing away of uh, of cancer. And I'll tell the quick version of the story. He had left a, a chocolate Easter egg on the table, and I ate half the egg. And he literally <laughs> was the next day screaming from down the block at me. Jesus. Like you could hear him. He was so loud you could hear him from a block away. And I kind of when I looking back on it now. I got off on staying calm while he lost it because everyone else was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. And that was my power was that I didn't show him any fear and other people couldn't believe that I talked and acted towards him the way I did because everyone was so deferential. And, and don't make Frank mad. Oh, Frank's going to get so mad. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck if Frank gets mad. And that was me. That was my craziness where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show right. you by not getting – and literally he's yelling at me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I ate that. I'm That's sorry. That's probably what made him so particularly and, mad and me, at you. Meanwhile, though, again, all of his anger is a mask for something else. Oh, yeah. He, just, he, he was he, so frustrated he, and couldn't handle – He could. He was so frustrated he really wanted that chocolate egg. <laughs> well, he said it was for, it was for his, like, his baby for the son. But I, I – Oh, okay. So right. I told – the story that I told the mother, and this is, this is true – I didn't talk to him for like two years, and then my dad found out that he was sick, and my dad sent me – he goes, go to the hospital and find out what's going on with my brother because my father was down in Florida. And I ended up calling my dad saying, listen, you have to come up here because it's, it's bad, and he ended up passing away a couple months later. And I would go there. He was at Cornell, and I would ride my bicycle from the Upper East Side to Cornell Hospital, and I would sit there, and literally r- right after he died, his son came up to me and said, you know what my father said to me on uh, – on his deathbed, I go, no, why? He goes, he goes, you know, your, your cousin Peter came to visit me. And he goes, yeah, no, I know that. I, I was there. He goes, I can't believe he ate that fucking egg. Like, that was literally one of the last things he said. <laughs> and it made me so happy that he was, he couldn't let he it go. Still, he still was he hanging still on. He still was hanging on, on, on to the anger. The guy was wasting away from throat cancer, and he was hanging on to the anger for the fact that I ate a fucking chocolate Easter egg four years ago. It's amazing. No, four. Now it must be like eight years ago. Yeah. But uh, that's, I, that's, that's both hilarious. And a little heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. It of is. course. It is a little heartbreaking. And to be honest, like, part of my pain is that my father, this was my father's little brother. Yeah. And my father never stood up to him in defense of me that I know of. And that's part of my pain. 
because my right. father would say, oh, you, your, your uncle's mad, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why don't you tell him to go fuck himself? Right. You right. Know, I'm, I'm your son. I'm you your know child. He's wrong. You know he's wrong, right. and you know I'm right, and so why don't you stand up? So why did I have to stand up to my uncle? Do you know what I mean? The, the power dynamic is not fair. Families, man. Yeah. Yeah. God, there's a lot of fucked up. Stuff. I'm writing. I'm writing a pilot based on based on this. Is, is, it, is it called? Is it called Uncle Frank? No, it's called uh, the Chocolate Bunny. It's based on. Uh, that I, I I think that oh, episode, that's such a good name. That's definitely going to be an episode. Uh, so it's a good name for anything. In in the in the show that I I don't know is it a good idea to talk about something or not talk about like because it's like I've what do you mean? Like, in like, your pilot, the chocolate bunny. No, I'm I'm saying like to it's like almost like a way of talking about it, like it kind of the, the idea diffuses. Oh, you're, and loses. you're being like, you're being superficial, superstitious, like, yeah, a, good, yeah. like a good Catholic boy. So yeah. the the idea of the pilot is you so don't, at this time in my life, I all I wanted to do was move to New York City, and I was stuck living at my grandmother's house, and my grandmother owned apartment buildings, and I basically became the super for her, and it turned out I was actually pretty good at it, and so the idea of the pilot is somebody wants something. And they're stuck in a situation that they don't want, and it turns out they're actually good at the thing that they don't want to yeah, do. That's good. And it's like it's almost like a, well, no, it's almost like a Gilligan's Island where it's like every week you're trying to get off the you're getting off you're trying to get off the island, yeah. but every week you get, you're stuck back on the island. Oh, what I find funny about that would be if you had a, some of the comedy must come then from you having some natural talent at being a superintendent. Well, like just yeah. being handy and stuff, and, and but learning not, how to. Do- but but like you know that, that sometimes in life we realize that we have talents and gifts that are not sexy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not what we want, right? Or it's or not, not or it's not, not or not what we want because I have been in plenty of buildings where the super is untalented yeah. and is bad at his job. Yeah, for and sure. so when you have a super who's talented, who makes all the difference. 100%. Yeah. No, it's like the talent is not a part of your idealized version of yourself. So right. even but it's though what you, you but have it's, it. It's what you get. Right. It's what you get. It's and it, true. And it's funny. To kind of tie it back, like I, have this, uh, I have this obsession at being <laughs> good at stuff and improving my manhood by being right. good at stuff. And again, like in First Blood, these cops are kind of fumbling idiots at, yeah. at being cops, and Rambo is yeah. the best. He's a machine at what he yeah. does. They think you know they are they are in the woods with their with their toy M16s. Right. They think that he's just a hippie. They think that he's some guy, and he is right. He is better than the best. He is the absolute best warrior. They're not warriors. Yeah. They're law enforcement. Cops aren't 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 soldiers. No, yeah, they're... and that's tr- and that's true of you know. Bruce Willis in Die Hard. It's true of Kyle Reese's character in Terminator. These are guys that are are really great at one thing, and there's something very sexy and very attractive. And again, we were talking about like the culture right now. It's very confusing, and people are having to do a lot of different things. And I don't feel people people feel satisfied in what they're doing. There's something very attractive and very sexy, and just being great at one thing, and, and then being Rambo able to do it that one thing was being able to utterly destroy the Viet Cong. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting. Except for that one time he got caught. <laughs> what? And it's interesting that the way that the movie ends because the breakdown is so well earned because that's when you would when the father figure arrives. Yeah. And says you got you got to stop. And, and well, he's he's lonely. He has no he has no friends. Yeah. And he's pushed and pushed by a world that doesn't want him. Yep. And then he just so happens to be able to be a unstoppable killing machine. Yeah. It's it's actually. I mean, it, it's a weird thing to say. It's a beautiful movie. It really in, is in that regard. Truly, I mean, you can make fun of Stallone, whatever. But if you tr- if you watch Rambo, the if you watch First Blood, the first one in a silo, you don't. It's in a vacuum. It's a beautiful story. It, re- it really is. It's, you know, look at how much we talked about. Look at all the dynamics. You wouldn't think of like a cartoon character no. ripped psycho I mean, with a machine gun, which is what the story I was told I Rambo mean, was. Thanks, mom. Like, you know, yeah. and she listens, by the way. So. <laughs> hey, mom. But, yeah. You no, I, nice love, I love my mom. But, 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 <laughs> but no, no, but for real, like I, I'm, I was kind of disappointed in the story I was told because this movie was great and I you know, enjoyed it. Yeah. I now that I think about it, they, they, mm-hmm. they make at least two jokes about his long hair. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's unshowered. And, and I think it's really interesting too that he that you know a lot of these soldiers, a lot of these vets from Vietnam, uh, looked like the counterculture, and so there's yeah. something very f- ironic there about yeah. he's such a masculine, violent uh, warrior, but he looks 
like a hippie. Like this like dirty, a dirty long hippie. hair. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to be a hippie is to not be traditionally masculine. True. Is not to, you know, there's supposed to be is you know, kind of there's a feminine aspect to yeah. it. That's that was the criticism. Why do men why do these men have long hair? They look like girls, right? Well yeah, they they started to, they yeah. started to ironically <laughs> wear the, the American flag, wear the army jackets. I mm-hmm. mean like you know, Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, it's the right. same character, right. somebody right. who came back from oh, the yeah, war. Oh yeah, that's right. And it's and it's funny because it's yeah that I mean that again that's violence that's somebody who uses violence to make sense of the fact that they're lonely and disassociated from the world but that character there was no sequels so it never became anything other than you know it really surprises me that in Hollywood's reboot mania there isn't been, there hasn't been a taxi driver really <laughs> yeah that's, honestly that's true. I the thing that I've thought about the most right now is that the, New York City right now think of how many kind of lost characters there are in the city Ooh. right now and how many stories could be told about all these sort of disconnected well, I, people really in, in New York City right now. I'm working on an essay that's basically Travis Bickle, the granddad of the incels. Oh, huh. wow. Oh, I love you it. You know, because he is not, not to lob. I, I, am, I am compelled. I am both revolted by but, this, the incel subculture. But it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, but I also feel, you know, like I, I've, you know, like a, a duty bound to at least try to throw some compassion. Sure. Yeah. And like, you know, Travis Bickle is a guy. Like my, the the scene that 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 sticks out to me from Trav uh, from um, Taxi Driver is him taking Sybil Shepherd, who inexplicably uh, maybe sees something in him. Uh, he tries to connect with her by taking her to a porn film. He has no idea, yeah. And when she leaves in horror, he he can't understand. Like it's a really painful scene. He yeah. can't understand why this woman who who saw something in him would not want to relate with him through pornography. He's confused yeah. and hurt and angry. Yeah. And in Bickle, I see the archetype for lonely 100% alienated redditors who, who doesn't know how to connect, who don't know how to connect with women who idealize women who lash right. out but only really on message and it's, boards oh, when and he then calls again, and then when again. he calls her on the phone after and it's so painful like it, there's, there's somebody had yeah, pointed out scene. the camera it's so painful that the camera can't even stay on him right? ah. and the camera has to pull away <laughs> you know. from him and, and also too like a lot of this subculture he eventually sees himself as a hero. Yes. Yeah. And okay, sure, rescuing that uh, young Jodie Foster, she's not with good people. Those people were bad. But he really saw himself as this, he, you know, it's all fucked up inside. I find, I, I really can draw a line between got, him right. and people who are on, who are so lonely and they express themselves on the internet. Yes. Men specifically. Well, I, I mean, men and, and I think the culture right now uh, promotes alienation and loneliness. People don't know how to connect. People don't 100%. know how to people don't know how to make eye contact and have conversation. People and I as somebody I was a boss for a while, I like people don't even know how to ask for what they want clearly. Oh, nor no. do, nor do they so know rare. how to nor do they know how to process instructions. Right. Like regular connection is it's I mean, we're, we're, we are socialized animals. And I mean, there's a reason why hermits act crazy. Yeah. It's because the things that we think of as normal human behavior are normal human behavior because we are socialized with other human beings. The minute you take that away, people don't know what normal human behavior it's, it's is It's the anymore. most dehumanizing thing to put someone in solitary. That, yeah. That's what they That's literally how you yeah. punish people. That's how you punish people. I mean, it, 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 it's the most quote-unquote humane way of punishing because you're not going to – you're still going to feed them. You're still going to give them yeah. water. But if you give them no human interaction, they will go insane. <laughs> so this and, went real dark in a way that well, I wasn't no, expecting. Well, no, but, but we're but, talking about rainbow yeah, yeah, yeah. here. We're, I mean, talk, we're, also, we're also talking about PTSD. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you want to get into also like you know our society, whatever we want to call it, we penalize emotional pain. Right, because it's one thing for you to, you know, fall through a trap door and yeah, like, or, that's okay, or, or like, or like, you know, a, 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 an athlete, you know, like sure. physical pain, sucking that up, but emotional pain, especially with men, you like, better you know, suck that up. That's know, the that's the idea. Tw- Twenty seven suicides a day from from veterans. These yeah. are men yeah. and women yeah. who have done things in service of this country. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of them are, are, are immensely, are struggling with immense emotional pain. And I still think people get mocked 
and oh, get yeah. made fun of. It's you're weak if you're a man and you're like, I'm in a bad mood. I'm yeah. depressed. You know, like men aren't supposed to be depressed. We're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be like, that's it. Just get it done. Just get what needs yeah, to get be done. done. Yeah, get her done. Yeah, 100%. So why don't you talk a little bit about your, so this, yeah, what you're doing now and kind of how you got to, to this place. Because this is, I mean, this is literally, this oh. is how this came about was, was, was me finding you through so what you're writing I, right now. I have worked for years with Medium.com, the, the long-form publishing platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, where anyone can go and and publish essays, mm-hmm. um, they also have a unit of their of their business where they hire people like me, uh, experienced writers and editors to kind of create new publications. Right. Mm. So I and so um, I know that we have have some friends in common. I know that uh, I, I used to, I had done Red Eye. Oh, uh, do you know Bill? Bill I do Schultz? know Bill. I yeah. was I was the sacrificial liberal for many years <laughs> on that very silly show yeah. on that truly evil network. Um, <laughs> I, I left Fox many years ago. I wrote a goodbye article about it for Esquire. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Red Eye though. Uh, Red Eye it wasn't, was it wasn't that. No, once upon a time it was funny because Red Eye for a very brief period had no respect for anything um, at all uh, for cable news. But so I've written a lot for. Um, I've written for CNN. I've written for New York mm. Post. I've written for. Uh, I've worked as an editor for Conan. I have a bunch of credits, wow. um, and a lot of film criticism. Uh, but I launched this site uh, called Humongous on Medium. Um, so is that humongous.com or humongous.media? It's media.com backslash humongous. backslash humongous. Check me out on Twitter at John DeVore. Yeah. Um, that is just a place where I will be promoting, 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 uh, and it's just essays about masculinity mm-hmm. and movies. Right, I love it because I, I in my life the only the, the time when I've been able to talk about important shit with other men has been when we sat down to talk about movies. Yeah, you know, sports is very local. Yeah, right. You know, you could also um, do it through sports a you little can, bit. You can do it through sports, but I just I've never met like again. We just met tonight. Yeah, the three of us, and I think that we could have gone on another forty minutes about movies. Oh yeah, I I don't. I, I, I don't think men uh, know how to talk about th- complicated, emotional, and or serious things. And I think movies offer up an opportunity to kind of do that. So that's what the site's about. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. No, yeah, it's a, it kind of is very analogous to our podcast. And I didn't know when Peter and I were starting this that it was going to become a podcast about archetypal stories and and, and I didn't know either. Journey. Joseph Campbell and yeah. stuff like For that. For real, we didn't know. I mean, I met Peter outside a comedy club, you know, and he just seemed like uh, super into 80s movies. I knew I wasn't. But a lot of people at the time were asking me, oh, let's start a podcast. Let's start a podcast because they knew I had the equipment. They knew I was doing comedy and a lot of comedians do podcasts. But no one came to me with like a real idea. Peter was the first one that did. And even though I didn't know him, I knew he could do it. And I... I'm so glad we started it because um, meeting people like you and telling these stories, it, I've learned so much and fr- from dumb movies. Really, a lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, Big Trouble in Little China is a stupid. movie. I love that movie, but, so it's, much. but, it, but, it, but you could still learn from it, and it's yeah. still and it's honestly been a great journey. And I think we're in episode 41 now or yeah. something. Wow! It's been, congratulations. Yeah, man, we've been I, every month. It's been more and more downloads. We're 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 getting there. So um, Big I'm really Trouble in Little China is is a it's a wild a one, highly influential. Yeah, it really is. But yeah. I mean, I I don't even want to get started. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's I, a whole I don't can even get started on John Carpenter. It's who is the fucking best. <laughs> oh yeah, we, oh, we've we, done we, a we, lot we of John about, Carpenter movies. Dude, if I you love. listen to the podcast at all, we bring them up all. John the time. Carpenter and Walter Hill yeah. who are two people from sure, the right. Uh, that, Walter that Hill need to be talked about a lot is tremendous. Uh, Carpenter though is just what an artist. Oh, he's all he's, over he's having a moment right now. I think I think people are starting to realize Good. Well, how but, great he is. All those guys. I mean, but like I'm an enormous Carpenter fan. I'm an enormous fan of David Lynch. I'm oh, an enormous yeah, fan. Same. I love David. That Lynch. whole David Cronenberg. Yes, Cronenberg. Yeah, Christ. I mean, but that was an era where some really true quirky artists. Yeah. Were given B movies. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, Joe Dante is another one that comes to mind uh, that they then took and elevated. Yeah. Right. Well, we were talking about The Godfather and The Godfather, Coppola, that was an assignment. He didn't, he didn't want it and he made it into high art. 100%. And, you know, Scorsese had no interest in boxing. 
when he made Raging Bull, and there's you know there's plenty yeah, of bo- but but it's like it's like Barton Fink. It's a boxing picture. It's you yeah, know, it's just a shitty I boxing mean, picture. You know, Brian De Palma doing the Untouchables and Mission Impossible. There's a lot of those stories where um, I I'm a big believer in um, when when artists are constrained is when they're they're most interesting. Like I I love the White Stripes and like. Jack White, his whole idea behind the White Stripes was to limit himself as much as possible and see what he could do with literally limiting the color One scheme, guitar. limiting the chord scheme, limiting the, yep. the, the way that they, they would write the songs in studio. Yep. And, and if, the, the story of the 70s filmmakers is those guys all made a great movie and then they were given a bunch of money and a, had a bunch of success and they all blew it. <laughs> Every single one of them yeah. blew it because what made them great was the fact that they had their they were up against the wall, right? And they, but that's a, they that's had to a, prove that, themselves. That is a an artistic lesson, right? And I mean, Stallone is a perfect Stallone against the wall. You get the Rocky. first Rocky. Yeah. Stallone with the world is his oyster. You get Oscar and Stop or My well, Mom. I'm sure that you and I sure. would have a lovely conversation about Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love, love. I, to me, Orson Welles is the great artist of the 20th century, and one of the you know oh, one of the great it. tragedies of. Of all time. Did you watch the Netflix doc? Yeah. I loved it. I, I, you know why I loved it? Because like, the narrative is that he's one of the great tragedies, but the truth of that, of Orson Welles in, what's the name of the documentary? Uh, uh, I forget what it was called. Oh, it was no. With, you'll, you'll, it was with me, Inherit the Wind. You'll, you'll, lo- you'll love me when I'm dead. Yes. Um, um, the reason I like that doc is because it showed actually that Orson Welles was happy and productive, even if he was not loved by the Hollywood system. He was he was making art up until the day he died. Oh, always. He was going to you know. Zagreb and going to but Spain. Like, but, but, I'm, and- but I'm saying that, you know, the narrative of him being uh, this tragic failure, it's, tra- it's a tragedy, I think, for Hollywood. He stayed vital and creative up until he yeah. died, and I think that's the only, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. W- yeah. Whether or not you are b- uh, beloved or make money, stay creative. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that. that. On that note, I'm going to plug some dates. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's very inspiring. Though. <laughs> Thank you. Let me let me do some advertisements for myself. Um, uh, uh, this Friday, <laughs> July 19th, and uh, actually this Friday and Saturday, I'm going to be at Atlantic City Comedy Club doing a feature spot. My buddy Ben DeMarco is hosting. Um, I'll be featuring for Allington Mitra. He's headlining Atlantic City Comedy Club, which is at the Claridge Hotel. Um, so there's four shows, 8 p.m. Friday, 10 p.m. Friday, and then 7 and 9 p.m. on Saturday. That's uh, Friday, July 19th through the 20th. And then also I have my own uh, monthly show that I produce, uh, co-produce with Dean David, Progressively Chill. Um, it's at V-Spot on St. Mark's. 7 p.m., uh, July 31st, last day of the month. Peter, come through, do a, do a spot. Yeah, um, for sure. And, uh, yeah, and when you're, it's a free show, two-drink minimum. Um, you, know, you know a guy. I, got, I know a guy. Yeah. Um, I'm with the guys. Yeah. Uh, and that's it, I think, for now. I'm doing a show this Friday, and I'm not quite sure what it is. It's called the Hello White People Show. Oh, I saw that flyer, and, and it made me and a I'm little under angry. The white, <laughs> and I'm listed under white entertainment, and I don't know if... The, that sounds super racist. I, I don't know if the joke is that they're going to try to laugh at me, but I don't, I'm don't. i going no, in. No, you're going to... You do well in front of do, black rooms, honestly. Well, I'm going to do what do I do. Yeah, do whatever you do. And I'm going to talk about what's, yeah. what Go I do. Go up there. Be Sicilian. Do the, gonna I was going to say, do the Sicilian horse joke. Oh, yeah. Great joke. That's my closer. Thanks for giving that away. Well, uh, you, it, it, I didn't give it away. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's a Sicilian horse. There, there's there's so many directions you could go with Sicilian Honestly, horse. yeah. But uh, no, so I, I have no idea what this, this show is. They kind of explain They're like, oh, we do a show about laughing. At, is it like making fun of white people? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to go in there. Do so your, if you're in Williamsburg act. this Friday, I'm, it's on Instagram. Where is it? Williamsburg? Uh, it's at the Well Okay. What in time? Williamsburg from 6 to 9 on and the 19th. What, on the 19th, same day yeah. as uh, I'll be in Atlantic City. So if you're in New York, go to Peter's show. If you're in South Jersey or fucking <laughs> the, Philly kid. At the Jersey Shore. If you're drinking out of the water in South the Jersey, water. using DeWalt power tools, man. Uh, I think that's how they sound. Then come to Atlantic City. Yeah, John, is there anything else you want to No, plug? just follow me at, at John DeVore. Uh, and once you all leave, I'm going to write about the, uh, the, the new 007. Nice. Uh, Beautiful. And it's What's the, her name? I forget what her name is. Know. But she was in Captain Marvel. The black chick. Uh, I don't remember. But medium.com backslash. Humongous. Boom. 
and we'll link it in the description. This that would gonna, be great. This is going to come out because I love this episode. I know we don't have to edit it. Uh, it's going to come out tomorrow. Fuck it. All right, well, tomorrow, it. Tuesday, either Tuesday or Wednesday. But we'll, we'll tag know, you. and we'll I will. You know. I will give you the retweet on the Twitter. Oh that's my we, god, that's all we need. The power ask. retweet. Honestly, right? it, it makes a huge difference. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, it was nice to meet you guys. Really, yeah, lovely yeah, meeting you guys. Thanks for coming over uh, and not freaking my dog out. Yeah, and, and super chill. I had a great time chatting. I mean, Definitely. Jesus, we could talk about Travis Bickle forever. We'd love to have you back on. Honestly, uh, well, we'll see how this performs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly. All right, have a good one, man. Bye. Bye.